Bitcoin's been declared dead more than 400 times by pundits, skeptics, and critics, and yet it's so not dead. And while there's been a lot of speculation about the various things that could allegedly kill Bitcoin, today's guest brings up a scenario that we found very interesting. Might we be able to change his mind? Well, author Stephen Lieb joins us for one of the most intriguing conversations we've had in some time. Does China have their sights set on taking down Bitcoin? Let's ask the tough questions and examine the potential answers, whether we like them or not. This is episode number 509 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, Who's bad? to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious, the crypto serious, and the crypto reconists. <laughs> Welcome to Crypto Rico. Uh, this is Bad Crypto episode number, what is it? 509. 509. We're, From building we're actually, 09. We're together. We're actually in the same room mm-hmm. in our uh, rental condo here in Puerto Rico while we await closing on our respective new homes here yeah we're not to clarify that we're not in our uh, rented place because we're no. not staying in the same place we have two separate rented places just enough distance to be like hey homie go visit go have a neighbor have yeah. a, be a friend <laughs> hot neighbor hey it's good good to see you it's beautiful here and the weather outside today is puerto rico yeah it's the weather outside's not frightful although it has been raining quite monsoonish i just uh it was crazy. So I um, on on Thursday, Joel and I went up to San Juan and we interviewed Michael Turpin for a future episode. What maybe next Sunday's episode? Do we know? When uh, he, Turpin's coming up on the sixteenth. Oh, he's going to come on. So episode number five from huh. yeah, that one. So, so tune into that episode five thirteen, Michael Turpin. So we interview, and that's a great, great interview. I say that just because Michael Turpin was great, not because we're great. We're but, bad. Yeah, but. So we went up there, and then we did some uh, some paperwork stuff for the move, and then I went, was going to go uh, get a car, and oh, the car dealership was closed, and so I rented a car, and then I went to the car rental place, and they basically had over-rented all the cars. There's no cars to rent in, in, in San Juan right now. So I'm in this place going, what? Are you serious? You don't have my car that I rented? And I'm like, ugh, and I, and I hear, TW? Hey, Travis. And I'm like, what? And uh, it turns out it was Mark Wagner, and he was with Dennis Yu, and I've known these dudes for 10-plus years. I've, I've been on road trips with these guys mm-hmm. and uh, went on another road trip this weekend all around Puerto Rico. So we went to the west. We went up in the mountains. Dude, there's amazing mountains here in this place, like, unbel- like unbelievable views. Like, that's where they have Arecibo, where they have the uh, those satellites that were looking mm-hmm. for intelligent life mm-hmm. out on outside of Earth. Well, they should be pointing at it. I'm still looking right. for intelligent we're life We're not finding on it Earth. here. Yeah. yeah. Still looking for it here, but we drove to Rincon, which is on the west coast, northwest coast, which is kind of it's got a very California vibe to it. Then we drove down to Maraguez, that sort of had like it seemed sort of Miami ish, which was kind of nice little sort of a, a vibe there. Beautiful beach, and uh, and then that's and there's another place that's like Cabo Lugo or something that's a little bit Cabo Luca. That's a little bit that's like a great place if you have a family, like really nice homes, like nice communities. Then we drove down to Ponce, which Ponce is, uh, is I think it's like an old French settlement because it looks like New Orleans. Hmm. Like it has 
a total French vibe. Like you can tell French has like with the wrought iron. Oh yeah, it's total. It looked. It looks like it's, it's total vibe mm. of New Orleans. Now we're here at Palmas. I'm taking back up to the airport a little bit, but we went all over this island, and it is there's rainforest. There are mountains. There's some sort of desert areas. It's almost like a small microcosm of America terrain, American terrain, in a 100 by 35 mile radius. Don't forget the beaches. And, the, beaches. and oh, by the way, beaches, beaches that the water is nice and warm. It's refreshing water. It it's not like you go in Hawaii where it's kind of cold or on the West Coast where the water is just not warm. This water is nice. The weather here today, high of 84, low of 75. Tomorrow, 84, 75. The day after, 84. <laughs> it's pretty much the same every You guys day. are going to want to stop tuning into our show because you're like, you fuckers keep talking about how great the weather is. <laughs> Fuck you guys. No, actually, we encourage you to come to Puerto Rico. If you can find a place. If you can find a it's, place. It's if you've had some nice crypto gains along the way, let's create bad crypto Rico. See. And uh, somebody gave me a hard time. One person in our Telegram said, "Listen to your last show," and it was like, "You shouldn't use, you shouldn't do that accent again." I don't know what you're talking about, man. I I can't imagine what accent I should not right, be doing. Right. Man. You know what? It's it's almost like you know you pay homage to him. You're not making fun of it. You're right. just basically going, "Hey, this is how this how it is." That's how they. This is how so they offended. sound. People right. get so offended over stupid shit. How about that? Get over yourself. Yeah, man, it's crazy. I don't know why. Yeah, y'all get over I yourself. Like, I like. Don't that. be so self righteous, man. Yeah. So let's give a shout out to our sponsor here, Animoca. These guys are working to revolutionize the gaming industry with huge hits such as F1 Delta Time, The Sandbox, Crazy Defense Heroes, and tons of others. If you're a gamer and you want to know what's up, go to animocabrands.com. And by the way, our partnership with Animoca is now in full gear via the Quid app. Yes, loving Quid. Mm. In fact, if you guys have been paying attention to what we've been doing with Blockchain Heroes over the last 10 months or so, well, we were chatting with the CEO of Quid. He saw the assets and said, oh, my God, our 7 million users might like those. And we've been working with their team, and we launched Blockchain Heroes on Quid. We are the – I think we are probably the first uh, blockchain crossover, right? Mm. The first property. They've had over 325 or so properties yeah. that are in there we're talking big properties too right if you go to collections you know on my favorites i have arrested development archer bob's burgers breaking bad marvel uh there's atari care bears dr seuss deadpool firefly the list goes on like huge properties and i i need to confirm this with them but i believe we may be the first property that launched on blockchain that is now available in the app these things are selling like hotcakes yeah, I tell you what, this partnership with Quid is 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 awesome, and um, you know it's really really started working with with Animoca, and as we mentioned time and time again, what Animoca touches turns to gold, and um, so we've taken Blockchain Heroes, they've done some new fresh designs, and uh, they've uh, they've launched those, and they have some different variations that. That have never existed before, and then they're going to have some rare ones or something that are going to be minted. Well, right? they already are, so I'm not totally clear on how they do things yet, but if you look in the collections for Blockchain Heroes, you'll find these golden bordered ones mm. that are mintable. I don't know if they're mintable yet, but it says on them mintable. So are, they on the, are they in the secondary market as well? No. 
They're not. I don't know if they've been awarded yet. So look, they're moving at the speed of light over there. We're lagging a little bit. They're doing this thing. And I think that they've released the first 10 heroes from series one. So a whole new, you know, uh, tons of people are getting exposed to Genesis and Stampede and Coin Commando and Lightspeed for the first time. But they've actually broken it up into five sets that I think are going to be released over five weeks. Yeah. We're front and center on that app right now. Not only, I mean, the there's like a, normally there's like a banner and there's like maybe three or four different things on that top banner, but there are basically ten banners and they're each one of the first ten characters of Blockchain Heroes. Then they have another area where you can buy some of the other stuff, and then down below they have the rainbow versions mm-hmm. of them that you collected if you're in the top 100. And I know how much that I've spent getting these cards. And I'm not in the top 100, so that tells me that there's some people pouring some cash in there trying to get I some of those rare mental so. ones. I think so. So very exciting. Go download the Quid app. Thanks to Animoca for working with us um, as uh, where we get to be advisors with them. And thanks to Quid for including us in the app. So I think that's enough of us talking about Puerto Rico and, and NFTs, although we do have some NFT news on the other side of this interview. Should we talk to Mr. Lieb? Let's get into it. We get so many emails and pitches from publicists to have people come on the show to tell us why Bitcoin is the next big thing and why NFTs are going to be big and yada, yada, yada. There's no shortage of crypto experts out there, which is why when a PR firm wrote me to tell me about Stephen Lieb and how he thinks Bitcoin is a horrible investment, I thought, oh. This is going to get my attention. Producer Aaron, go and do some research into this guy and find out more about him. Turns out he's the author of China's Rise in the New Age of Gold, How Investors Can Profit from a Changing World. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's a doctor of psychology. He's a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business, and he got his master's from my alma mater at the University of Illinois. So Stephen Lieb, we're anxious to hear what you have to say about how horrible Bitcoin is. Welcome to Bad Crypto. Well, well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, I'm talking to someone who spent years or a couple of years, at least, a few years at least, in uh, Champaign-Urbana. Mm-hmm. I wish I was back there. I, mean, I, I think I did. I think I did. It was kind of a uh, college for me was a big fuzzy blur. Um, if you can, you know, get for as it is for many college students, um, I don't remember much. <laughs> well, I don't think that anybody does, to be honest. I think that, you know, college and even, you know, I, I have a PhD in psychology. I don't remember much. I mean, the only thing that I basically learned, I think, through all my education is, you know, how, how to approach a problem and how to try and, you know, get a good answer, a cogent answer, not necessarily correct. I don't think anyone's ever correct or completely correct, but just a, you know, a cogent answer on any particular problem. So, you know, that's basically all you learn. I don't remember any classes or anything like that. Well, everybody might not be correct, but my co-host Travis is always right. (laughs) Well, then I'm, I'm, then Travis is way ahead of me, way, way ahead of me. Well, just, just my last name is right. So that's the only reason that I'm, not travis always correct right okay i i gotta okay i get it (laughs) you go right on i want to ask you this so you're the author of the book china's rise and the new age of gold how investors can profit from a changing world so let me ask you this just kind of start off like how do you how do you foresee china's rise and and what's happening in the world today well i think uh there are two 
things that are happening all at once. Uh, I, I really, I'm, I'm smiling and laughing, but I, I, I'm not. I mean, it's, it's, it's deadly serious what's going on in the world today. I, we, we have two real problems. I hate using the word existential, but you hear it mentioned a lot. And I think our civilization is really going to rise or fall on our ability to solve these two issues. One is we have to be able to accommodate uh, the growth of the emerging economies and uh, emerging economies, uh, you know, a loose definition would be uh, economies where uh, uh, income per capita is less than $10,000. Uh, and uh, that would be emerging. And that can run all the way down from about 10,000 to, uh, I don't know, five, 600. Uh, in the developed world, incomes run around, I don't know, 40, 50,000 uh, per capita uh, or GDP per capita. And uh, in this economy, the US, it might be around 60, you know, don't, don't hold me exactly to those numbers. But you really have a five to one differential between the developed world, which we're living in right now, and uh, the developing world. Uh, and uh, the problem is that 85% of the world is developing. Uh, that's why China has such a major role in this, because they're population is about 1.4 billion and they're developing and they're sort of at, they've gotten to the top end of the developing world, which means that on a per capita basis, a typical person in China has nowhere near uh, the income as a typical person in the developed world. So you've got like uh, uh, what nearly six and a half, over six and a half billion people uh, six and a half to seven billion people that are developing. At the same time, you have about one billion that are developed. Now, the amount of growth that it's going to take to get these developing economies, I, I don't think you're ever going to see them fully developed. I mean, I just don't think there are the resources in the world that would accommodate that. But China is going to do as good a job as they possibly can to not only develop themselves, but you know, bring along others. Uh, not just because they're, you know, China's not uh, some sort of altruistic economy that just wants to bring on others because they want to do a good thing. They want to bring on others because that's the way they will grow. They're creating trading partners, and uh, there's a Belt and Road Initiative, which is going to imply massive amounts of infrastructure. And uh, this is going to imply, you know, massive needs for energy, commodities, etc. We saw the beginning of this trend in the last, uh, the first generation of this century. Uh, and you basically had a, you know, a generation in which uh, the best performing asset uh, was gold. And uh, a number of commodities also outperformed the S&P 500, actually, copper, silver, even iron ore. I mean, if you at the beginning, what time frame was that? This was uh, beginning of the century okay. to, to, you know, the last uh, to the end of 2020 or the end of 19, uh, 2019, I think. And um, yes, 20 years, the first 20 years of the century was a century in which you had a number of commodities uh, for outperforming the S&P 500 dividends included, 
Uh, and that's really unusual. And especially unusual was the fact that gold outperformed the uh, S&P 500 by about 200 uh, percentage points. You, I think you made fivefold on gold and you made threefold on the S&P 500. So, I mean, an investor, uh, I mean, for my clients, I outperformed the market. But that didn't make me smart. If I had been smart, all I would have done is I would have uh, advised everybody to buy gold, bury it in your backyard, and then you're going to do better than everybody else. I mean, I wasn't that foresightful, obviously, but that strategy would have worked and it would have worked in spades. And, you know, that sort of tells you a 20 year period is a is a long it's a fair it's not long in the whole scheme of mankind, but it's long enough to suggest things are not what they were. And if it were just gold as a, you know, an outlier, it would be one thing. But when you see commodities like iron ore outperforming uh, and again, copper outperforming and, you know, copper, you know, year to date, I mean, We've had year to date, guys, uh, probably the strongest move in the midst of this pandemic. We have had the strongest move in commodities in, in, by some measures, I, I think in at least a century, a whole mix of commodities, you name it, from corn to scrap iron to scrap copper, entire mix of commodities have gone up nearly 50% in the past 12 months. I don't know any time in the past. There might have been a 12-month period in the 1970s when that happened. I doubt it. I mean, it doesn't look, I don't think there was. I think you really have to go back pre-20th century in order to find any time where you had so many commodities advancing so strongly and commodity stocks have actually been the leaders in this bull market since hey, the I, bottom. I have a, can I ask a dumb question? Sure. What percentage of that is the economy versus the inflation of the US dollar becoming more worth less over time? Because they're printing more they printed more money in the last, you know, five, 10 years than ever before. So the, of course everything is going to go up in price. Right. Question. You're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're, you're asking a very good, very good question, but you're talking about relative gains in price. In other words, uh, material stocks actually outperformed, let's say, tech stocks. They were the best performing stocks in the first, uh, well, since the bottom and since the Fed started printing money. A, a tremendous amount of that money went into to commodity stocks. And in fact, if you want to look at it, uh, uh, materials, the material index of, let's say, the uh, very broad based Russell uh, 3000, which includes every stock, uh, it's gone up about 160 percent since the market bottom. That's twice the gain in the S&P 500. So you're absolutely right. When you're printing a tremendous amount of money, everything goes up. The question, I mean, the, re, the, the point is, is that Everything has gone up, but commodity stocks have gone up more than anything else. And uh, that's really unusual. I mean, that's extremely unusual. And I think it really, you know, suggests that there are commodity scarcities coming down the road. I mean, again, when you have 85% of the, of the world developing 
at, you know, you're going to have commodity scarcities. Just your call on copper is just tremendous. Copper's had a historic move. Copper's almost at an all-time high in the midst of a pandemic. The metal is almost at an all-time high. And the second thing, and I'll then I'll shut up. The second thing is that whatever you think about climate change, I mean, my, my own feeling is that, yeah, I think that the earth is getting warmer. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be like in 2100. And I don't think anyone knows what it's We're going all going like. to die. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's about all we know. But we have these very complex, sophisticated, so-called sophisticated uh, models that tell us commodity, I mean, commodity, the climate is going to continue to warm. And that's going to create all sorts of havoc, etc. I mean, I, I can't argue really against it, but, you know, I do see what I see. I mean, the economy right now is warming. And, you know, to associate it with CO2 and, you know, the, uh, these greenhouse gases makes some sense. I mean, it sort of passes the common sense test. And, you know, it does suggest that that is a reasonable hypothesis, even if it weren't. Just the fact that we're going to be using so much in terms of commodity requires so much energy to do this it, it, it is a given. Just, just the developing part of the world is going to need massive amounts of commodities. Now, if there's a there's a necessity to make these uh, uh, ener the energy that we need, you know, basically can almost translate everything into energy. Tra translate copper into how much energy do you need to produce it, etc. And, and when you need to put up a lot of infrastructure and you need to, you know, develop, etc. Uh, you need tremendous amounts of energy. And if at the same time you want to make that energy green uh, because of commodity reasons, and, or if you want to make it renewable, you know, you pick renewable or green, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you're going to need renewable energies. They're going to have to play a very significant part in this world. There are just not, uh, there's just not enough storage of fossil fuels in the ground to accommodate the amount of development we'll have. If you add on to that, that even if we did have enough fossil fuels, we would still create a uh, environment that would not be particularly hospitable. I mean, you're going to have a tremendous call on commodities, a tremendous call on energy, and we cannot afford to waste it. That would be my point. Okay. And that's well, why I think China and gold are really, you know, the, the drivers here. Gold will be needed uh, basically to replace the dollar in some sense. And uh, China will be driving the, uh, uh, the uh, developing world. It won't be all China. It'll be, you know, China, India, Malaysia. I mean, the whole developing world will be Africa for sure. Uh, is going to be coming on stream and that, the, you know, it's going to be, you know, the first generation on steroids over the next 20 years. Okay, so you make a, a really you know good case for why commodities are up and the need for you know these precious metals in the future. And I think both Travis and I have always been believers in precious metals. Travis is more of a pirate than I am with his. He likes his booty, matey. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know when you talk about the best investments over time, I'm looking just a year ago and Bitcoin. If you would have bought it a year ago, you're up six hundred and eighty percent today. 
So just over that period of time, it's a it's a much stronger investment. But I believe you would like to make the case that it's actually a bad long term investment, as are likely all cryptos. And this ties into China. So what go ahead and give us your reasoning and make the case for why you believe that is. Okay. Um, well, there's a couple of reasons. And and basically, they do lead into China. Um, one is they're, they're very energy intensive, uh, especially Bitcoin. And they're getting more energy intensive, as is the entire tech industry. I mean, you know, current estimates are that technology will uh, consume about 20% of all electricity uh, by 2030 and probably continue to grow from there. But, you know, th th those are estimates. But, I, you know, you, you, you tend to believe it. I mean, you know that mining in a, a Bitcoin is energy intensive. It takes tremendous amounts of computer power. Uh, right now, there's sh shortages of NVIDIA chips, the gaming chips, and also the uh, super fast chips that have found a role in artificial intelligence. There's a general chip shortage. And uh, one reason is a lot of those chips, those super fast chips, are going to Bitcoin miners in China. Uh, and so, you know, already you see uh, that Bitcoin is creating, I, I wouldn't say that they're singularly responsible for, you know, energy problems or energy uh, shortages, but they're, they're, they're up there. They're using now, I mean, the last, you, you hear lots of, you know, comparisons, but, you know, they're using about as much in energy right now as Switzerland. And if Bitcoin gets up to 100,000, and that's possible. Incidentally, I'm not bullish necessarily. I'm not bearish necessarily today. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Bitcoin got up to 100,000, but it, it would, it, I think it'd be a catastrophe. And I don't think it's going to happen if it were to, let's say, you know, continue to go up right now, Bitcoin, just, just, as, just as an example, let's suppose I'm right. Bitcoin is now, uh, Bitcoin in the whole crypto market is capitalized at about $2 trillion. That's a lot of money in crypto. And, uh, you know, no matter how you look at it, $2 trillion is not just, you know, <laughs> it's a meaningful amount. We saw what happened recently when a $20 billion hedge fund uh, went belly up. It, you know, it sent reverberations to, you know, a lot of major banks. Well, what, what, what $20 billion hedge fund compared to a, a, a $2 trillion, uh, um, you know, mar market cap is, you know, I think it's 100 to 1, 1,000 to 1, no, 100 to 1, I think. But it's going to have massive reverberations if it doesn't work. So you're at, in that situation at this point. Now, what can China do? Why is China so critical here? Well, China is so critical here because, A, they do 65% of the mining in Bitcoin. Uh, that's where a lot of the so-called clean energy is. The cheap energy is in China. Uh, they're very skilled at this, and they have 65% of the market. They also, at the same time, are introducing their own uh, um, uh, crypto, I don't, whatever you want to call it, di digital currency, the digital yuan. And uh, there's no, though they do 65% of the mining of, uh, of Bitcoin, you can't buy or sell crypt, uh, uh, Bitcoin 
within China unless you do it on exchanges that are not exactly legal. It's not a big market there and they don't want it to be a big market. But what's significant here is that if China wanted to, and there is a lot of motivation. I mean, China, guess what, is not our friend. And uh, I mean, they're not necessarily our enemy. I believe that China would like to cooperate with us, but they also want to have in their bag uh, of tools, uh, you know, for dealing with confrontation, ways of hurting us that won't necessarily start a war or won't necessarily be catastrophic for the world. Everybody loses under that situation. And Bitcoin could be exactly what they're looking for. Uh, in the sense that, you know, Bitcoin, basically, it, it, it's, it's a really, it, there's a lot of good things you could say about Bitcoin. I mean, it's secure. Uh, you know, the blockchain is, is, is something that cannot be hacked. Uh, and it qualifies as a currency in many ways. No, no, no problem with that, except one. And uh, this is, you know, I'm just quoting Investopedia, not quoting them, I'm summarizing. Uh, they say Bitcoin can't be counterfeited, which is essential. If you're going to have a currency, you don't want it easily counterfeited. You know, you don't want a dollar where you can, you know, take the same dollar and go to 30 different coffee shops and get 30 different coffees with the same dollar. You don't want that kind of situation. That's not a currency. And it wouldn't last if that were the case. Uh, well, with Bitcoin, it could happen. And it happens with a so-called double spend, from what I understand. I mean, don't ask me all the technologies, but I, you know, I do have a basic understanding of the algorithms, et cetera. But a double spend can occur when you create, you know, uh, uh, you create a Bitcoin that is used for multiple spending, the same Bitcoin. It's counterfeit, in other words. It has the characteristics of a counterfeit coin, of a counterfeit, of counterfeit currency. And how does that, there's only one condition, just one condition that will allow that kind of situation to be created. And that's a condition in which the majority of the miners agree to do it. Now, the majority of the miners for Bitcoin are sitting in China right now. And another 15% of the miners are in China-friendly countries, such as Russia, such as uh, um, Iran. These are countries that don't particularly like the dollar. Uh, they they want to do something that, you know, they might want to hurt dollar-based currencies. One way to hurt dollar-based currencies, ironically, would be to destroy Bitcoin, which could happen if they created counterfeit Bitcoin, because that would have, wouldn't have, it would have indirect effects on China, but it could have major effects here. And I'm not saying China's planning to do this, but I'm saying eventually if Bitcoin gets in the way of, of their own digital currency, almost surely they will do something to stop Bitcoin. Uh, it's not a good situation to be in. Uh, and especially if Bitcoin were to go up to, let's say, 100,000. And let's say that its capitalization rises, uh, you know, for the sake of argument, to 4 trillion. Because now, now all of a sudden, you know, you have this infrastructure that you're developing around Bitcoin, Coinbase. Uh, you know, recently was a, was a successful public offering. And that was, I don't know, 70, 80 billion dollars. If these things start, you know, imploding, and I think it, you know, very likely that they will, um, you have the makings of a real 
economic catastrophe. It could be, and I think it will be at a certain point in China's interest to do this. I mean, if you're buying Bitcoin right now, basically you're betting that the Chinese somehow are our friends are not going to try and do anything uh, precipitous uh, if they decide they, you know, when they decide that they don't want Bitcoin around. They've already decided for their own population they don't want it and won't allow it. Uh, but when they decided decided it's in their interest to get rid of Bitcoin, they can do it. Now, if you're comfortable investing under those circumstances, you know, go for it. But I'm not. And I think that eventually Bitcoin will end up at zero. I mean, it resembles the dot-com bubble that we saw where people made five, six, ten times on their money very, very quickly on stocks that then ended up bankrupt. Yeah, and well, you're, you're using a lot of prepositions around the fact that we think that the current economic system is good. Like the dollar is good. They print, they printed so many dollars out, out of thin air that there's, there should be zero trust in the U S dollar at this point, because they have the printing presses on 24 hours a day, printing hundred dollar bills at six cents a piece. And somehow we're a hundred some odd trillion dollars in debt. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. This is, this is backed by algorithms. It's backed by math. And think, I, I I'm listening to you and I, and I'm, and I'm, I hear, I hear what you're saying and I can understand why you're saying some of the things you're saying, but, and I'm listening to it and I'm kind of like, it's, it, it seems like you're, you're maybe from an older generation you, I do, I'm on the same side where I'm like, I don't really trust China, but there's already eight, 18.7 million of the Bitcoins that are already in circulation that it doesn't matter if China mines them or not. They're already in the wild. And, and I know that China does have a lot of the miners that are like probably over half of the mining now, but there's so many more Bitcoins already in circulation that aren't owned by China, that are owned, distributed all across the world, that I think that that's potentially moot. It's not moot. Uh, you know, first, for, first of all, I, I'm no fan of the dollar. I mean, you know, you, you cited the title of my book. It was the, uh, uh, the Rise of China and the Coming Age of Gold. Mm -hmm. uh, so I... Yes. And I think what they're doing right now is, is sort of a sign of, you know, it's, it's a sign of a, a, a it's a point of inflection and, and it's a sign that things are going to change and move away from the dollar. So in that, when, when you start talking about that, you're preaching to the choir. Okay. I, I, I you totally also just kind of poo-pooed all of cryptocurrency in sort of saying, oh, it's all too much energy consumption. And there are many blockchains that don't use much energy at all. They don't, they're not, they're not proof of work. They're proof of stake. There's many other different proof uh, capabilities. There's many different chains out there. There's over 10,000 coins. Bitcoin to me is like, is, is, is version 1.0 of, of cryptocurrency of the next digital money. But we all have a smartphone in our pocket and, and retail is, is, you know, we, why do I got to go to a retail bank to go do stuff? I don't. Why do I want to wait four days for my transfer to get there? I don't. I want that shit to be immediate. I want it in my, in my account in seconds. And with cryptocurrency, it's far too convenient and mass adoption is clearly on its way. And I think there's going to be, there's going to be some attempts to, to have some manipulation on the way, but I don't foresee cryptocurrency going away unless they do like an EMP bomb and there's no internet at all. Then in that case, it's probably a good idea to maybe hedge your bets with some gold. Um, you know, well said, I, I, you know, I, I, I see where, where you're standing. Uh, but unfortunately, 
your blockchain is a very good technology. I, I'm not quarreling with that. And all the transactions that have ever taken place on Bitcoin are recorded on blockchain. And that I don't think is hackable. So that's not the problem that Bitcoin holders face. The problem that Bitcoin holders face is that you're not going to come up to the maximum number of Bitcoins for, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years. I don't know. 100, probably... 100 years. Okay. Basically, all you need to do is to create one or two counterfeit Bitcoins and game over. All of a sudden, you don't know what you own. I mean, those well, that's counterfeit... never happened at this point because the blockchain is too distributed. Right, no, but you're not, you're not hearing, nothing to do with the blockchain. You're not hearing what he's saying, Travis. What he's saying is that because China has the the majority of the hash power, if they decided to orchestrate and go rogue, controlling all of that at once, be a fork they, of Bitcoin. they could create double spends instantly that would completely disrupt the system and lose confidence in the system. Is that is that accurate? Steve? That is, is exactly that right. Yes, it is. And, and, and the point being is that it is in China's interest to do this. China right now believes everything you said, Travis. Uh, they believe that, you know, some form of uh, crypto or, or, or digital currency is, is needed and is necessary. And they've spent four or five years or 10 years, probably. They, they tend to think in long periods of time developing this digital one, which they're testing right now. And um, th th that is what they want. They don't want, you know, a, a cryptocurrency as the world's reserve currency. They want a digital one, which would be virtually impossible to counterfeit because basically if, you know, transactions go to the PBOC or other central banks. I mean, it's, it's I mean, China, incidentally, one thing about China and, you know, this point that I make very clearly in my book they don't want the yuan to be the reserve currency. They do not want that. I mean, that's one of the reasons they uh, we've gone sideways in this country is that we did have the reserve currency, which gave us the power to spend and, you know, like drunken sailors. And that's why we as a, you know, America right now can print all the dollars they want. Well, it's that tie. It's that tie-in. A lot of people don't realize it's that tie-in to the the. Pe it's the petrol dollar. You, most of these yes. countries have to buy dollars before they can buy oil. Right. Exactly. And, you know, China I mean, and today, Russia are starting to circumvent that, right? I mean, yes, that is, and China's on their way to circumventing that. Uh, they, you know, a couple of years ago, they initiated a uh, uh, a uh, trading trading in oil in yuan. And the yuan in, in China is implicitly backed up by gold. That's what people don't realize. Mm. If, you have a, if you have yuan in China, you can go to any uh, uh, exchange and trade that yuan in for gold. Really? It's one and the same. And it's true that if you're buying, uh, uh, if, if China's buying oil from you and you get yuan, and you could come to China and buy, uh, trade that yuan in for gold. So you have implicit backup of gold. Uh, with China. And if you, you know, uh, gravitate toward uh, uh, digital yuan, the digital yuan will be implicitly backed up by gold. I don't think they're quite ready for that right now, but that could happen, you know, pretty soon. And I think that Bitcoin might be in the way. And if it is in the way, 
they're going to get it out of the way. I mean, they're pretty ruthless, the Chinese. Uh, you know, I don't think they do as much bad, as many bad things as they're accused of, but they do enough so that you can believe that if they don't want cryptocurrency around, they'll eliminate it. Now, you take, take a wonderful example, Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk uh, basically, if you look at Tesla's stock, which has been, you know, an incredibly uh, good performer. And Elon Musk is, you know, he, he, he's an American treasure, in my opinion. I mean, I, I have nothing but incredible respect for him. I think he's wrong about artificial intelligence, but that's a, for another, you know, another time. But basically, he's an extremely, he, he's creative. He's inventive. He, he, he wants to do good. I mean, it's hard to say, you know, you it's hard to say anything really bad about Elon Musk, but what you do have to say is that his success with Tesla came when he grabbed, moved to China. And all of a sudden he became, you know, one of the richest men in the world. Tesla stock went up about 10 or 20 fold. I don't know how many times it went up, but that most of those gains occurred after he was in China building that gigafactory, et cetera. When he came out, I don't know, I, uh, what, what, I don't know, several months ago and said that he had bought, uh, or Tesla had bought $1.5 billion in Bitcoin. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was considering taking Bitcoin as, uh, you know, payment for his cars. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, he was called before Chinese authorities on safety issues. On, on other issues related to his cars. And, you know, then he started backing off a little bit on Bitcoin. I mean, this is just, you know, kind of a minor example of, you know, the kind of a hold that, you know, China has on things that are Chinese. And one thing that is Chinese right now is the mining of Bitcoin. And it's just, let, let me put it this way. I can't predict what the Chinese are going to do. I, I, I really can't. But I'm saying that when you own Bitcoin, you own a, 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 you know, you own a currency that could be made virtually worthless. They could really tear up the foundations of the system. Could you rebuild it? I maybe, and, and maybe the consequences wouldn't be as bad as I think they could be. But you're really playing with fire. You're really buying, uh, uh, you know. Uh, whatever, lucent, you know, at, um, you know, whatever, $100, which, you know, eventually went to zero, uh, was, you know, the one AT&T spinoff that really did not work out uh, back in, uh, but it became a tech stock. And back in 2000, the stock was, you know, on an incredible tear, uh, you know, parabolic, the charts look like Bitcoin. Uh, but, it, you know, People lost their shirts and some people have never come back, incidentally, from uh, what happened in uh, 2000 and, uh, you know, to, to the tech stocks. If you lose 80 percent on your money, uh, you have to make about three or four hundred percent on your money to get back even. That's just simple math. And I just don't want to see that happen to people that own Bitcoin. And I don't want to see it happen to, you know, the U.S., the reverberations here, because this has become the Bitcoin capital of the world, basically in terms of demand for Bitcoin, not in terms of creation of Bitcoin, which automatically is a kind of disconnect that has to make you a little bit worried. Um, you know, it, it could have a, a, a very bad effect, not just on investors, 
I mean, that would be bad enough, but it could have an effect that could reverberate throughout the entire economy. And I don't want to see that happen. I it's mean, a, it's I, certainly it's a doomsday scenario, and I get it. I understand the case you're making, and I actually can appreciate uh, where you're coming from. As I'm looking at the uh, the Bitcoin mining hash rate as of last year, April 2020, a year ago, China had 65 percent of the hash rate. U.S. seven and a quarter, Russia seven percent, Kazakhstan six percent, Malaysia four percent. It goes it goes down from there. So I can appreciate what you're saying. This is very specifically about Bitcoin. This, uh, while certainly a catastrophic event in Bitcoin would affect other cryptos, it wouldn't disrupt those other chains you're talking specifically about an attack on the bitcoin blockchain with a coordinated double spend not not, not the blockchain per se i mean that remains on bitcoin intact. right but 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 you know the the, the creation the mining of bitcoin mm-hmm. and uh you know maybe transactions too i i don't know to what extent the well, mining can affect well, let me ask you this then, Stephen. Under what scenario do you think China, let's have you be the contrarian to your contrarian for a moment? Under what circumstances do you think China would find it advantageous to not do such a thing and to continue as you know one of the leading miners of Bitcoin? Um, you know, there could be a number. I mean, you know, one thing that you know, well, basically, there's one. The one would be if they could figure out a way in which they could use Bitcoin in certain types of transactions and really control the way it's used, which would mean uh, a tremendous amount of regulation coming through China. They would define all the ways in which Bitcoin could be used and not used. And they would be in a position to do that. Uh, Maybe if Bitcoin became so big and uh, two trillion, you know, you, I don't know what the magic number is, but you're certainly getting up there. Uh, China might not want Bitcoin to disappear all at once because, again, you know, we live in a very interconnected world. I mean, you know, my, my strong belief is that the only way we're going to get through this uh, and, you know, create a world for our progeny to prosper, et cetera. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like some sort of soppy guy, but, you know, the only way we're going to get through this period that's immediately ahead of us, I don't mean two days, but the next 20, 40, 50 years, however long, is with cooperating with other countries. So it may not be in their interest to destroy Bitcoin right away. But if you're going to keep it, China's rules are going to govern. I mean, that that's for sure. And they're in that kind of position. Look, I mean, why else would a country ban the owning of Bitcoin. I mean, not not a complete ban, but just, you know, there's no exchanges that are allowed to trade it, et cetera. Yet allow their, you know, some of their top computer programmers, really, I mean, you have to be pretty good to get, you know, to, to, to solve some of these, these problems are, you know, well, the algorithms are, they, they can be made harder and harder. And that means consume more and more energy. I mean, they're equivalent to, you know, finding factors of very, very high numbers, which is one of the most difficult things that computers have to do. And it can sometimes take a computer, uh, computers working in stream. If you take a number with, uh, let's say, 30 digits, 
it can take you 10, five years to find, uh, you know, you, you can look on Google right now and find out what is the highest prime number that's been discovered. You know, take a number that's 10 times higher than that. And, you know, it would, it would take you maybe a hundred years to discover it. And they have that power, they, they have that, that power to create problems so hard that no miner could solve them. Maybe that would be the way out. I mean, and that would basically fix Bitcoin where it is right now. And maybe it would become less of a threat if there were a lot of regulations, et cetera. Uh, so I think you're looking at, you know, maybe that kind of scenario is something China could live with. I'm, I'm just sort of winging it right now. But if they made the problems and they could make these, pro oh, you know, technically, okay, the problem that uh, the Bitcoin miners have to solve, they, they're not capable of it. Okay, so what they do is they take a uh, they take a solution that is arbitrarily close to what a final solution would look like. Now, if they make those that that distance between the actual solution, which really can't be found in any meaningful time frame, and, and, and they narrow it, they will make it almost impossible to find a solution and almost impossible to mine additional Bitcoin. That scenario combined with regulations that allow uh, uh, to assure that China, that Bitcoin in no way interferes with other digital currencies, central bank digital currencies that are, say are backed by gold. Uh, that might work. And you know, the more I think about it, I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe Bitcoin under those circumstances could actually be used in place of gold because it would be a finite, you know, wouldn't be, you know, it would be fixed. There would be a finite part of it. Maybe you could construct a situation in which Bitcoin would, you know, possibly replace gold as something that has to back up all other currencies. I mean, I ultimately believe you have to have a basket of currencies and you have to have a way of controlling how large you could grow that basket if you want a real reserve currency. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't have the petrodollar, which is what really what the dollar is right now. It was created because of, you know, as you rightfully pointed out, when we went off the gold standard, we uh, immediately uh, transferred ourselves to the uh, petrodollar. And the petrodollar has no, you know, you, as much as you want, we can create. No one can stop us. I mean, because they're going to need it to buy commodities. You know, that basically is it. And it gives mm -hmm. us a lot of control over the rest of the world, et cetera, et cetera. If you can, uh, so, I mean, the message that I try and drive home with my book, very simply, is where we went wrong in this country is when we went off the gold standard. And this is not someone talking I'm not someone who's always been a gold bug. I've never been a gold bug. I don't believe with, uh, you know, I, I share very little in common with the typical gold bug. But what I do share with them is that you have to have a way of controlling how much we can, can print. I mean, you rightfully were, were, were saying we're printing six, six what, what is, what's a hundred dollar bill cost? Six well, cents? anywhere between six and 12 cents to print a hundred Okay. Bill. Six and 12 yeah. cents. I was multiplying it by 10 and got 60 cents. Okay. But uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. You can't have a world like that. that, that that's no good. Yeah, and there the way no, you... There's literally been no cap on it. There's never been an audit of the fed. And I got to tell you, Stephen, I respect where you're coming from. I, I read this book by James Rickard, Rickard's uh, Ricard's by called uh, currency wars and it really it really sort of laid out the history of money and then you know and, and then whenever everybody's on a gold standard things seem to be able to calibrate itself out over time whenever you're able to print out fiat currency 
which is a term that most people had never even heard of, right? Up until crypto started taking off, people started hearing about the term of, 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 of fiat currency and, and that printing of money out of thin air is, is horrible. I want to ask, and I don't know how much time we have left here, but I want to ask you a, specific, a couple of specific questions sure. around China. Um, so Joel and I both were uh, uh, key opinion leaders for Huawei, and uh, we both since retired from that because we're not a big fan of what the CCP is doing, and I'm, I'm not going to help Either am I. the company over there. I, I mean, I'm not at all a fan of what the CCP does. Yeah, I, like, I love the Chinese people. I'm not a fan of the CCP. There are too many control mechanisms. But here's what I've noticed is that Chinese companies, they have about a 25-year vision, Right. Exactly. Uh, America, Americans, American companies have a, a quarterly vision. You're, China I, I would have said country, the same thing. Yeah, China as a country has a 500-year vision. For exactly. America does not. We have a four-year vision, and they try. Everybody tries to get the, that that president out as soon as possible. So, of course, China is going to eat our lunch eventually because they're viewing farther into the future and planning. You, I mean, I, you, you, this is my book. I mean, this is, you know, one of the points that I make. And, you know, the way out for us right now is, I think, through cooperation. And hopefully, I mean, look, at the beginning, you know, I go back further than you. But I would say this country between um, uh, uh, the end of the Second World War and let's say through the early 1970s, before all this massive spending that we started doing really hit home, we were probably the greatest country that ever lived. I mean, that ever was. I mean, we were a wonderful country. Everything we did was, you know, for the good of the whole in a way. Mm. I mean, yes, people, there were people that were incredibly talented. They made, you know, a lot more money than others, but not thousands of times. What do you think? Up until the point others. Kennedy got killed? And then it seemed like the deep state kind of took over. I think, you know, I've always, you know, I, it made sense for me to, you know, when I wrote my book to, to sort of time it at, um, you know, when we went off the gold standard, when Nixon took us off the gold standard, then I think we were beyond all return. I think probably when Robert Kennedy got killed, that may have been our last ah, chance. Okay, yeah. That I, I, I think that when the first Kennedy, Jack Kennedy got killed, that was a, that was pretty bad. I, I, I think when, well, you, you, you were saying that when Kennedy got killed, uh, that's sort of when we started going downhill. And I, I really wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, I, but I would say Robert Kennedy may have been our last chance for a leader that could have really gotten us out of a mess uh, that we were creating. But I think that the final straw was when Nixon took us off the gold standard and uh, we gravitated toward the uh, petrodollar. We were in a position to do that because the Saudis had no choice but to make an agreement with us because we were the only country that could defend them at that point. And uh, you know, here they are, all that oil and no way of uh, keeping anyone from stealing all that oil. So they made a deal with us. Uh, you know, we, we, we need to sort of get back to something like that gold standard. Now, the world, you know, unfortunately, I don't know what I haven't read Rickard's book, but, you know, what has happened uh, over time is that gold is, is finite and you cannot have a, uh, uh, a gold standard coming like you did coming out of Bretton Woods, where you have a fixed price of gold. You've got to have a, a, a gold price that's allowed to go up in value over time and uh, to, to, to match the growth in the economy. 
uh, or else you'll just have, you know, massive deflation. And, you know, there there are a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of dots that are left to connect before we do get to a point where you have a floating gold standard. And I think it eventually has to probably float up to, you know, the equivalent of $20,000 per ounce of gold in order to, you know, basically back up the world, uh, the world's currencies with gold. Uh, But you have to have something that's fixed there. And, uh, you know, I think gold's a very natural thing to choose. It's been around for millennia. But maybe you could make a case that Bitcoin under certain certain circumstances could complement gold. Or, or replace it. I'm not against that. I mean, but I'm not. Stephen, how do we, when you've got so much gold and silver trading on paper, right, is exponentially more than we actually have in supply. We know the price is being suppressed. How does it move to, you know, to that level when they're able to suppress it for so long? Okay. They, they basically are, you, you make a very, very good point. And then there's nothing more frustrating, you know, being bullish on gold and you watch, uh, well, today's not a good example because the dollar's up, but you, you watch everything going, historically going what would, you know, favor gold, and you just see tons of selling coming in. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, my goodness. I mean, Isn't it like know. 500 ounces of paper gold to one ounce of physical yes, gold? Yes, but, but, but okay, let, let me cut to the chase. I talk too much. I'm sorry about that, guys. But, but okay, the, the, the chase is this, Basel III, which is the uh, Bank of International Settlements, they, they basically issue all the rules that govern uh, uh, you know, trading and how the banks manage things. Right now, the banks are not required, uh, the bullion banks are, you know, the London uh, trading, um, you know, the gold trading in London, you know, they're not required to hold anything in reserves. I mean, ne- next to nothing in terms of reserves for all the trading that they do. That's going to stop. Uh, the question is how fast that's going to stop. Uh, the LBMA, the London, uh, I think that's the symbols for it, but the London uh, exchange, you know, doesn't want it to stop uh, because it'll drastically affect, uh, you know, who can, you know, participate in trading if they have to have gold backed up by uh, gold trading backed up by 85% gold. That's in the works. And uh, that that's one thing that will happen. And uh, that will make uh, gold, I, you know, again, I, I don't want to see gold go to $20,000 uh, in the next two or three years, but I think that it's going to head there. If you all of a sudden, you know, had an 85% cap from whatever it is right now, 1%, I'm, I'm guessing something like that. I mean, silver and gold are not backed up at all. It's paper. You're right. You're totally, completely right. There's a total mismatch between paper gold and real gold. They've got to get that close, much, much closer together. And, you know, basically so what would the real the price of gold be, do you think, if that was the case, if they like, if they had eliminated that and kind of were playing fair ball instead of foul ball, like they do, <sighs> I mean, wouldn't an ounce of gold be like two, $300,000 or something crazy. I, I, you know, I did some calculations you know, how much gold, what would the price of gold have to be in order to, you know, back up all the trading that, that occurs in the world? I mean, you know, gold is, is pretty plentiful. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's about nine or $10 trillion, $9 trillion worth of gold in the world right now. I think that that it would eventually have to go up to maybe, you know, 10 times what it is right now in order to, uh, you know, match and back up all the trading. 
And then it might have to rise after that. If the world, as I expect and hope, uh, you know, can continue to grow, et cetera, gold could easily back up all those currencies because gold is fixed. We're not making any more of it. And, you know, it, it's well, I don't want to get I know you guys don't want me to talk unless, about unless gold. like a big asteroid full of gold lands on Earth. Full of yes, that, that, that's, that's possible. That's, that, that, yeah. that, 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 that's possible. But, you know, every all the evidence suggests that we're pretty close to peak gold. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, in terms of how much we can mine. I mean, it's basically, you know, we don't have the energy. When you dig these mines deeper and deeper and deeper it requires ever more energy. It's, you know, it's not a good cycle. But, you know, and it, it's bad for every commodity except for gold, because a fixed amount of gold means that, you know, it's valued for what it is, not for what it can do. And that's a very, very important point. And that's why it makes such a good uh, something really uh, the only commodity that can be a currency, because you're not going to use up that commodity. Any other commodity you would fix, uh, you would pick, let's say, silver. Well, you're going to need silver for photovoltaic, for solar. I mean, and, and a massive amount of it. It's not clear you can even connect the dots unless you make incredible technological improvements. Copper, ditto. I mean, you're, you know, copper's up for a reason. It's not, you know, people are, you have lost their minds bidding up copper. I mean, you don't have that much of it relative to how much we're going to need. There's a tremendous amount of copper out there, but you know, once you use up a, um, a certain amount of reserves, it takes massive amounts of energy to bring more of it up to the ground. I mean, you know, it's almost common sense. And, you know, you're at points of inflection where that amount of energy is going to really start increasing. All of which is to say you need some something to back up whatever the reserve currency is, because you have to sort of see where you're going and you have to have ways of basically controlling you know how fast you're growing etc etc and gold is i think ideal for this but you know you asked me to think of a counter example where bitcoin you know has a major role to play i could think of one and you know what i'd be happy with that i'm not you know i'm not here as someone who you know, detest Bitcoin. I don't necessarily. I mean, if it works and can help this world, I'm all for it. I'm all in. And, you know, thinking about it, China might be able to use Bitcoin in combination with gold as something that backs up uh, the world's uh, trade. You know, you just need something that's fixed. And it's very easy to fix the number of Bitcoins you're going to allow to be uh, created. That that you can do. I can create that scenario. I mean, I did before. I mean, you just make the problems too hard to solve. So Stephen, does that mean this podcast has actually helped you to think through and process um, a new way of looking at this perhaps? It's given me a, a way of saying that there's an alternative. Yeah. I am not, you know, look, I thank you guys. I mean, yes, you, you know, you asked me to think of a high, you know, play devil's advocate to my devil's advocate. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy you asked me that question. I'll be very honest. I'm, well, I'm looking for way that way that we can all survive. A way out. Now, here's my question. Can you find a devil's advocate to my devil's advocate of your devil's advocate? That's probably. That's, that's, I, yes, I think I can. I think gold. <laughs> I think that the, the big thing that you have to overcome here is that uh, gold has been around for, you know, millennia 
and uh, it, it's prized for its beauty. Uh, again, it's not used up. And, you know, Bitcoin, you know, may have some technological problems and the Chinese may be more comfortable with uh, gold. But, you know, yes, you can always come up with a, a devil's advocate. Yes, I can come well, up with I think, a very cogent one. But I mean, I, I just think that people have to be aware of what they're doing. I agree. And I think there's a strong, you can make, it's too easy to make a case that Bitcoin can blow up. So maybe if you're a big Bitcoin is. crypto fan, you know, maybe what Steven's trying to say is maybe hedge your bet a little bit and, and snag some gold in your portfolio too, because you know what, if the, if the rug gets pulled on Bitcoin and you're holding nothing, maybe at least you could turn some of those crypto gains into some gold and, uh, and, and have a little bit of both. I think that would be an ideal situation. And if Bitcoin does become something that China's happy with and, and want to use it in conjunction with gold to back up, you know, this basket of currencies, which will be the uh, world's reserve currency, maybe you'll make it both ways. But yes, I think, you know, I think that's a great way of summarizing. If you're going to <clears throat> believe in Bitcoin, do it with your eyes wide open, that there is a definite risk that it disappears. And, and but a risk, you know, it's not guaranteed that that's the only way it can go. Uh, so what you're saying about gold and Bitcoin together, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would have I'd be hard pressed to, you know, fight that. To, to gold and Bitcoin, a match made in heaven. Yeah. Well, maybe, the book. Well, we've been talking about this a long time, Joel. Like We've had different people come on saying, hey, we're going to do gold and we're going to create a crypto based backed mm -hmm. by gold like I've always thought that a crypto backed by gold would be a really good cryptocurrency. Well, that's where you're going. It's except that, you know, that's where China's going, except it's not really a, a crypto. It's a digital currency. It doesn't have the blockchain characteristics, but it's like it. And, you know, but it's not fixed. You know, you can create a lot of the digital currency as much as you want. But maybe the Chinese will say, well, as long as we're going digital, let's have gold in there and let's have a, a, a digital currency that you could not create so much of that the creation is finished and fixed that could be you there'll be a lot more regulations uh, i i don't know how it would play out but i could see that as certainly a theoretical possibility yeah I well mean, this is uh this has been a real enlightening and enjoyable conversation really appreciate uh, you steven bringing your perspective it's not what i expected and um there's a lot of food for thought it sounds like we both learned um you know from our time together so we well, thank you I, for i'll that. certainly say i did i i really did and i really appreciate it i mean and you know i i think that you know maybe we, we, we've helped people out i think it's it's good i think it's really good i hope so the book is called china's rise in the new age of gold how investors can profit from a changing world sold where books are sold and where you can buy them. And it says Stephen Lieb, PhD, and Donna Lieb. Is that, uh, is that your spouse, She's your daughter? She's the better part of it. <laughs> is, that, is that your wife? Yes, it is. So how did she let you get away with putting and Donna Lieb under? Why wasn't it Donna Lieb and maybe Stephen? Um, <laughs> well, she's old time. Okay. She's not politically correct, I guess, that, but, but I could make, I could make a case for Donna Lieb and Stephen Lieb. I, I think, you know, we did different parts of the book, but I, whatever, I don't know. That's great. You know what? I think a lot could be learned from this particular interview is that, you know what, there, there, there needs to be more people learning how to, uh, disagree agreeably, and then maybe find common road because in a lot of in a lot of ways, 
it's now my way or the highway. And if somebody doesn't like your opinion, they'll try to cancel you off the internet. So, this is so horrible. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you. I mean, I, I you know, I we, we could go on and on. I mean, if we're off the air, I mean, we, 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 we are know. not. We are still recording. So if you've got I, I, to I will say, tell you this, put it out there. Well, I'll just say canceling is is just it's horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just encroaching on 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 freedoms and and all sorts of things. Uh, you know, something I remember very clearly I was working with this Yale guy, Yale professor. But he's actually a very very well known uh, uh, computer guy from Russia, and he said, you know, as bad as Russia is, this was a couple of years ago. As bad as Russia is, you know, in certain ways they're much freer than we are. I said, Vladimir, what are you talking about? He said, well, go out and, and, and say some, some mild uh, uh, negative comment about blacks, and you'll see what I mean. If I did that, I'm out of the university. Uh, that's not- No, you're, you're right. The, the people that um, subscribe to that are some of the most cancerous people on society. On the surface, they attempt to make it themselves look good as though they're doing something good, but they're actually doing a horrible disservice to themselves and those around them. And they're the ones that should be canceled. They should. I mean, self-righteousness runs rampant. The self-righteousness, everything. I mean, just, just as a brief anecdote to finish it, maybe I'm dating myself. I listened to this. uh, I can't remember her name. She's uh, uh, part Asian, part Canadian, and she has a podcast. And I was listening to her because I, you know, one of my closest colleagues is, is Asian, he's Chinese. And, you know, he made the comment that, that, that the violence being perpetrated on the Asians is not being per- perpetrated by Trump supporters as much as by African-Americans. It's blacks that are, are you know, really, uh, you know, perpetrating. You can't, you can't say that. You cannot share those actual statistics data. are racist. You cannot yeah. use those statistics. Yes, no that's my whole point. But I listened to this woman. I had no idea about her. I never heard of her. I, I you know, I didn't know who she was. I, I didn't have any, but he sent me it. And I, I tell you, I listened to her for 20 minutes. I didn't have, I consider myself liberal. I mean, registered Democrat, et cetera. I didn't have anything that I disagreed with. I thought that she was right on. And, you know, I went, when I finished listening, I went to the internet and found out how she's regarded. She's hated by the current left wing. I mean, by the so-called politically correct, she's hated you know, just for those reasons. That well, they, not... they hate everything that makes sense. They, they're they just they're opposed to, you know, the American <clears throat> way. They're opposed to freedom. They want to control other speech and actions. And, I don't even think uh, they do it consciously. I think a lot no. of it is just they've been indoctrinated so much through propaganda and academia leaning one way. I saw an interesting quote the other day that was like, so you mean to tell me that big tech and academia and all these government organizations and all these things, they're all controlled by the left wing for the most part. And how do we have sort of organized systematic racism? Why is that the case when when the left controls most of that? Well, you know, this is the case too. I mean, you know, I'm a believer. I'm not a believer in genetic differences among, first of all, how crazy is this when you cannot define race? No right. one can. There, there is no scientific definition of race. I it's mean, only as, where your ancestors grew up in relation to the equator and how much sunlight you got. Right. Exactly. And you can't really look at someone and tell that. I mean, as an example, yeah. 
Watson, who was canceled. He was wife, uh, Watson and Crick, or Crick, Watson and Crick were the people that, you know, uh, uh, described the DNA code, you know, among the most famous scientists in, in the world. Watson was canceled because he, you know, made references to IQ, which I totally disagree with. I completely disagreed with what Watson had to say and what Jensen has to, had to say and what Murray has to say. I could not disagree with them more. I'll support their right to say it, but I completely disagree. But anyway, Watson made these kinds of comments about, you know, uh, um, African-Americans, you know, maybe they don't do as well on IQ tests, et cetera. I mean, I, I can argue against that. We, I think he was saying argument. something around like the vitamin D receptor. Was it vitamin D receptor? Like if you have too much melanin or melatonin, which one is it? Melanin? Right. But let me just, let me just finish this about Watson. Watson, it turns out is, is at least 12% African. There's 12% African in Watson. I mean, which according to some would make him African-American. I mean, he, he's not a white man. He's part white. He's part black. He's part this. He's part that. We all that. We're are. all 100% citizens of this third rock from the sun. Mm-hmm. That's we don't exactly start figuring right. out a way to get along. We're That's all going to exactly right. We're and, all going to die together. It, it's it's these damn social issues that basically have have created. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what this young woman said, and I, I wish I could remember her name. She's very attractive, incidentally, but she's, she, she made the point, and it's absolutely true. She said, if you go back to the 1950s, you will find that, yeah, there was more racism in the country, but Blacks were, were, were doing, or people that identify themselves as African-Americans, they were doing very well uh, because they had, you know, two family, uh, they had a regular nuclear family. And, you know, that's much more important than mm-hmm. anything else that you can name. And that was and systematically he, destroyed, by the way. They, that, they, they did a lot of stuff to sort of break that apart within the African-American communities and with welfare and some of the other stuff. And it just really detrimental to the whole community. It, uh, it's, it's sad. It was terrible. It was terrible because it really short-circuited what was happening naturally. They, 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 they were, you know, favoring education. They were doing quite well. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it was totally short-circuited. It, they talk it, about toxic masculinity, but in a lot of cases, you know what, it's good to have the maternal motherly instinct and the fatherly paternal instincts so that you become a well-balanced person. Well, I'll yes. tell you what, if if it wasn't clear by now who our fans are, the ones who uh, are no longer our fans are the ones who are easily offended. Oh, I can't believe they're I can't believe they're saying words that are that are true. That's they left on episode like 12. That's hurting ago. somebody's feelings. All right, guys. Hey, we need to wrap it up here. But Stephen, we really appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing your, your thoughts with us. This is really yeah, I really valuable. appreciate being on. And, and again, I really did learn something from you guys. I, I really thank you very sincerely. And I think you're doing, you know, a lot of really, really good work. I really do. You're out there to try and tell the truth. And, and you can't ask any more of people other than that. And I really appreciate that. Thank you very much for having me on. I, again, thank that was you. awesome. I really enjoyed talking to this guy. You know, it's very rare that somebody is able to agree, to disagree agreeably. Mm-hmm. And then go, wow, you've changed my perspective on things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not that, not that he's mine too. Like you're talking about him, mine too. I understand exactly where he was coming from, Mm -hmm. that China could throw a major wrench in the works, not for all crypto, for Bitcoin in particular. Mm -hmm. Well, they own, and the the, the math on that is amazing is that's, 
what was it? 65% of the mining is done in China. Mm -hmm. 7.7% of that is done in America and 7% of that's done in Russia. Like that's like, I think Bitcoin would recover. I think that if I think there would they would find a fix, they would make a way. There would be some damage done, there would be some money lost. Um, but I, I also don't think it's going to happen. Right. I'm just being I optimistic. I do think they want to pop, pop pop out their digital yuan and make mm-hmm. that thing become pretty big. So who knows? We know we know CCP likes control, and not in the Janet Jackson kind of way, but you know, just as as an overall mechanism for their society. So. How long are they going to let some of these grow? How long are they going to let some of these keep trucking? Like V-Chain's been tearing it up lately. Mm-hmm. That's a Chinese one, right? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised Neo hasn't popped more, uh, but I don't know. It's what over 100 again. Little, is it Neo's over 100 bucks again? Control. By the way, most of the people today now that I'm disagree with you, uh, they're like, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. That's not agreeable with me. Uh, Sir Lord Travis, we have some exciting news from the NFT space of our own. But first of all, if you have been following the markets, ba-boom, you've heard all about the GameStop things and the, the shady things that hedge funds are doing to stop retail investors like you from winning. What if there was a platform that let you take control of all kinds of investment opportunities? That's what Prime XBT is all about, gang. One-stop shop for all your trading needs. Get a 50% bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code bad crypto podcast all one word take out the spaces we don't need them bad crypto podcast go to badcode.in forward slash prime xbt to check them out today and as for the nft news sir lord travis yes blockchain heroes strike again um we have a big sale happening on tuesday may 4th and we didn't even expect this to become a sale but it's insta sale insta sale Nice. Well, I, I tell you this, is that looking at the NFTs that this partnership has yielded, I think the mythic level of these NFTs are probably maybe two of the coolest NFTs on wax. What are you referring to? Hoddle God. Hoddle God. These guys have built a game with NFTs that support it. Um, that you know you have true ownership within the game on the Wax blockchain, hodlgod.com. And they came to us a couple months ago, said, what would you guys think of doing a collaboration? And I was like, well, stop, collaborate, and listen. Mm-hmm. And what do they have in mind? Well, Shouldn't you like stop, listen, and then, and then collaborate? collaborate? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, aim, fire, ready. Yeah. You know, it like, what is that all about? That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Shoot first, ask eyes. questions later. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, we're always open to collaborations. We uh, we think a rising tide lifts all boats in the space. They're doing some really cool stuff, have some great designs. So they, they mocked up um, a hero, and then they presented two cards to us that were like, what? Like, next level character oh, illustrations man. and animations 3d they're just they're just floating back and forth with these little 3d objects floating all around it well it's spinning and then there's like this badass 3d viewport behind the <laughs> character with this like swirly space shit going on like what, what what is the name of that one the what uh is it the uh, uh, horde 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 hoarder oh my god that so, card i i can't even believe how cool it is when uh, when our team us and, and the others on our team saw these we were like what gtfo this stuff is unbelievable and they came back and they said you know what we're going to create some more they have created 
10 new heroes that um, they're, they're some of them they look beastly like they some of them they look villainous but as uh, uh, Zach you know has positioned them they're kind of like the expendables you know they're rogues they're misfits but they are definitely heroes there's 10 of them and rather than a pack sale these are so good that people are going to want to own them without having to guess if they're going to get them or not right they're just going to buy them outright and it takes place Tuesday um, May 4th 2 o'clock Eastern time, there is a limited number of all of the cards. They're going to be available in wax only. And the URL you're going to go to is badco.in forward slash hodl, H-O-D-L, badco.in forward slash hodl. I think there's actually going to be two different pages because on Atomic, you can only put six cards, Trav, Mm, on one page. So the commons, the rares, and the epics are going to be on one page, and there's two of each in those variations, and then the legendaries and the mythics are going to be on another page. If there's any questions about where they're going to show up, then go to t.me forward slash bcheroes for our telegram. Information will be there as well as badco.in forward slash discord. Mm. We'll have information there as well. Are we going to go live during that one? We are going to, yeah, we're definitely going to stream. So you guys can check out nifty.show forward slash YouTube. So many links. So we all be time. reminded to act that's going live because I hate whenever I was like, I'm like, oh man, that thing was live. Damn it, I missed them. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be there. Oh, I'll actually be there. I, I promise be you, you'll be that there. That will ensure that I get one of the horde. Uh, if you can, there's only 50 of them. Right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I need to notice. I need to talk to somebody who knows somebody. They're gonna be like snap, snap, pop, pop, gone. Yeah. Nice. No, no, we don't get any like special for us. We have to buy them and, it's true. and get a lot them of times. Long. That's what it is for us. We got to buy them too. Yeah. That's the way it goes in the in the in the way of the cryptos. All right, gang, the sun is shining, and uh, right now, probably not when you're listening to the show. The sun's probably down because the show comes out later. But we have uh, sunshine to soak up and enjoy. I ain't trying to brag, but this episode's about over. Yeah. So. I mean, we did another one. I mean, here we are, five hundred and nine into this thing, still churning out content. I mean, I ain't trying to brag or nothing, but like we're content beasts. We'll catch you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Stay bad. Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of bitcoins and and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. What the, What was that? That was a content beast. <laughs> it's like... Type, 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 video, video, <laughs> That's a content piece licking his fingers after eating a chocolate bar. Mm, ah, that was good. That's content. <laughs> <laughs>